headlines. Barbara Friedman joins us in the studio for a look at Barb's Wire, things trending on social media. Welcome, Barbara. Good morning. And yesterday when this story broke that um, it seemed Yevgeny Prigozhin, Putin's sort of enemy that we all watched, what was it, a couple of months ago when he was trying to lead his Wagner mercenary army to Moscow and then after that was all tamped down sort of very suddenly by Putin, he was sent off it seemed to Belarus to sit it out and at the time, I know certainly when we were watching this on, on the news channels, we were like, this man's days are numbered. And whatever has gone down here, we aren't sure, but that viral video of the airplane, which apparently Yevgeny Prigozhin was on, spiraling in a, out of the sky into that field and crashing is just a video that has gone absolutely viral on the interweb. If you haven't seen it, I'm hoping it will be up on capetalk.co.za. But just quite something to see it almost slowly spiraling out of the sky and hurtling towards the ground, followed by a trail of smoke. I mean, this was a private jet um, initially at quite high altitude, seeming to be completely out of control and doing a vertical dive. I think that was what was quite odd, you know, strange to see. It wasn't a sort of a slow fall. It kind of literally looks like one of those, those, those at one of those shows, you know, where you go on those weird like, rides it just sort of plummets downwards and all the passengers well there were seven plus the three pilots um believed to be dead or are have been declared dead um have they confirmed Prigozhin was on i'm reading different stories it does seem they have i saw some smoke in the sky i saw some smoke trailing that plane falling out of the sky as well um any speculation about the cause no, and I'm certainly not going to say anything, but I do know that a lot of the news houses are now going with those articles, and I know we talked about it on this segment quite a while ago, just about how every prominent critic and enemy of Putin has mysteriously died or fallen out of windows. Um, you know, so, so various of, of the news agencies, like the Insider has written this article going, these are the people that, you know, allegedly have had something, have died and who were not you know, Putin fans, and they start with Yevgeny as their number one, unconfirmed, obviously, an unconfirmed end after a tumultuous few months, and then go on to all these others like Pavel Antov, who was the Russian tycoon who reportedly fell from a hotel window in India, uh, in, uh, who, and then go, they go on to others, a whole list of them. Um, of these were all people that were considered enemies of Putin. And, you know, I just wonder, at the time we spoke about it, and I'll say this again, this does not help, you know, for those that do want to speak out, you know, in a country like Russia. You know, these kinds of things happening definitely do not encourage you to be any kind of critic publicly, surely. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether or not there was any foul play involved, we do not know at this stage. Well, there's, I was, I was telling Graham, I think history has shown us that any anti-establishment position in Russia is not necessarily good for your health. Well, it definitely is not good for your health. Mm. So let's leave it at that and let's follow that and see what actually happens. Um, other than Zimbabwe, which uh, Graham is also referring to on the bulletin, which I haven't picked up on just because we're still waiting for results. 
Um, the other big story that continues to dominate the wires is BRICS, which he also referred to in his bulletin. I mean, these are the questions that are being debated are these things like the BRICS currency. Is this something that could ever to ever occur? And a lot of the critics or the analysts saying, it would be a long time down the line, but obviously a lot of discussion about de-dollarization and whether the the countries of the global south could ever pull that off. Um, and then also, I think the more breaking news around that would be this issue of the expanding of BRICS. Yeah. And, you know, obviously these statements now that some, what's it, 23 um, countries have applied for uh have applied to join BRICS, amongst them Argentina, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia. So just an interesting an interesting step in that direction. So obviously those aren't all of the global south because Saudi Arabia is not in the south. So I don't quite know how that that isn't. It, it's not a geographic no, of location. Of course it's not. Russia it's not isn't. Geog- it. So some people call it that, but that was originally yeah. the case. It's not the case at all. But again, and I know Lester was referring this this morning when I was driving in, and I, I like the way he put it. You know, this is not an ideologically like aligned group of countries at all. You know, it's an economically. Uh, they have an economic interest or they're trying to find one. But these are very different countries from a political point of view. I mean, you've got Modi, you know, which is quite a nationalist um, regime. You've got the sort of Putin, I don't even know how to describe that. Nationalist regime. And and quite, yeah, yeah. And then you've got the sort of so-called kind of communist party of China, whatever that is really in its real terms, you've got our sort of central free market Social Democrat vi- in Brazil. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Social Democrat in Brazil, whose predecessor, Bolsonaro, was a right-wing, right-wing nationalist. So, nationalist. <laughs> and so, South Africa? And South Africa, well, he described that? him as a sort of what, like a free market kind of yes, centrist. Yes, today, there, tomorrow. <laughs> whatever suits. <laughs> but... I kind of it's an it's such an interesting actually a very interesting debate and you know looking at whether China will own the 21st century in 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 days to in year in in decades to come it's still a question that's out on the that is not is not at all a definite one India I think China has matured yes but India is I think like a kind of a, a, like a quite a front runner for how well and how incredible the next one to watch. Yeah. incredible and the African economic yeah, as a collective. yeah incredible um, and an interesting thing one of my colleagues in the office was saying to me he was talking about soft power and just saying within those countries often it's that is what adds to the way you are perceived and the way you you end up kind of showing up in the world and that like Russia does not have a lot of great soft power there's not it has a very um you know sort of India does India has a culture it has the food it has you know everyone from you know the the Europe and America wants to go to India to find themselves mm. do you know what I mean it has a kind of a whereas, exactly whereas a lot of people in India also want to be quite Americanized. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whatever, however many people hate America, it has such a sort of soft power hold yeah. over the world culturally. I just thought that was an interesting point. And that's correct. I it, think it's an important. Point. It is a very yeah. important point. And that if you look at China, you know, if you on in Taiwan, however long that may last, you know, because xenophobia, xenophilia. Uh, sorry, I got the word wrong. You know, the love of China yeah. is something that goes back thousands yeah. of years. I mean, it is the most beautiful ancient culture with yeah. all those things. I mean, we all People love Chinese food, 
But yet, if you go on to mainland China, the soft power is a very different feeling. You don't feel it there in the same way as you would in Taiwan. Yet, it obviously shares a history. Yeah. So it just fascinates me to think about those things. You know, I think this is an opportunity it for is us. A, it is to build a better world. But I think some oh, of those rules goodness. need to be a commitment to uh, human rights. Exactly, it and that's the problem with some of those countries. Yeah. yeah, it can't just be on economics. I think. Well, that's why I think it's quite a complicated alliance. If for no other reason that there are such different ideological views there um, and and even economically I think quite hard to all get on the same page mm. but it, it, sort of actually this morphs into my third topic for today which is the India landing on the moon in the south um, am I getting this right? The That's South correct, Pole south we call it the South Pole a much more difficult location on the moon to land Absolutely. on it's the first such country the first country to, to land there to do that and um, you know I mean only what's it four countries have actually country in the world only the fourth on. country yeah. to land on the moon at all and in fact Russia messed up quite recently they yeah. And that, from I the think sky. it's been what fifty years since America actually landed on the moon. I know they're planning to do it again. I mean, my question is, and I know this comes from my own personal um, view of of humans and civilization, is why do we still want to do this? And I know there are reasons of like there's so much data and information on Earth we can gather from the moon. It's a great sta landing stage to move to Mars, where we're apparently going to try and colonize that. Why? We're we going to go back. Can to we Mars? not fix Earth? And I just, honestly, I still think this is, and you know, I can imagine all the listeners there who find me annoying, rolling their eyes. You know, it's still for me is such a patriarchal thing that, like, why do we all need to, like, be shooting space rockets into the sky when we have so much here that needs attention? Um, to prove what? Yeah, we've got the biggest space rocket. We landed on the moon. We are going to Mars. Someone needs to explain it to me. I... I like um, billions of dollars. It's I mean, India is about to spend. I, I've got it here somewhere. Their budget for the for these space launches. It's gone private. Billions of dollars planned to be spent. Yeah, and this. I think this is a clever move. So they've gone to the South Pole. There's traces of ice over there, which True. means there's traces of water. True. Over there. So if you're going to kind of build a base to escape I, a, a catastrophe on Earth, and trust me, human beings are well capable of that. I completely get that. You know, run away from ourselves, or maybe a and huge space rock. Instead of fixing the problems on Earth, why? so you're going to build a little refuge for who? The wealthy? Or maybe a little stepping stone uh, into greater exploration of the universe. All oh, right, because we love colonizing and conquering. I forgot. Oh, look at you. Okay, Barbara Friedman, <laughs> we've got it loud and clear. But yeah, well done. <laughs> India landing on the moon. And that's where I wanted, in fact, I was going to start the show there. And then, of course, Amy Beale. Um, yeah.